Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, and hello wherever you EA peers are at. My name is Chris McHale. I am the host of the In Lead podcast, and today we have three really super cool guys in, two of them you are familiar with. The first one I will introduce is Tyler Zai. How are you doing, Tyler? How's your week going? Good, Chris. Things are going pretty darn swell this week. Got a bunch yeah? of automation well, and dashboards set up. I know those are the things that get me going now. I feel <laughs> like a 70-year-old, but dashboards, man, that's where it's at. <laughs> I remember, yeah. <laughs> when is that rolling out? What's the deal with that? Oh, it's just it's the an new- internal one that that already. Oh, is, is that what that is? Tracking oh. things, yeah. So, okay. um, we, we found these cool tools. Maybe we'll make a tips with Ty about it. Uh, but basically, it allows us to track um a lot more data from top of the funnel traffic all the way through to leads to opportunities. So, really interesting stuff. Fantastic. Hopefully, once we get some data on that, we will discuss it on the podcast and also do tips with Ty. Uh, preferably the podcast because it keeps gives me job security. So <laughs> that sounds great. Um, we do also have the good old master of marketing, Kelvin, the homeboy. What are you doing, dude? How's your day going? I'm <laughs> doing good, man. Thank you. I'm really caught up on the fact that Tyler said swell. I think this is going to be a good podcast. <laughs> I just have a good feeling now. <laughs> you guys make fun of my vocabulary like every day. It's you gonna gonna be, have, hey, you struggled with math last podcast so It's going to be a swell <laughs> podcast, man. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kelvin was missing from the last podcast in case you guys did check it out. He is back. Um, we do have a schedule now, so he better appear at every single one. <laughs> Otherwise, we will have a problem. And then we also have a very special guest, another marketing specialist that we managed to pick up from uh, a jewelry store of all places. This lovely man is a recent father and a general BA all around. His name is Alec. How are you doing today? That was one heck of an introduction. I'm doing great. Yeah, if you ever need an intro, just, just that call was up. One, yeah. that was really <laughs> Let me <good>. know. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, guys, I'm sure you are familiar with him. You've probably seen him on the support network or actually had a one-on-one coaching session with this individual. So if you guys are struggling, blame him and nobody else. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Scapegoat. That's what, yeah, that's, that's on my business. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to jump right into it today. We actually have a realty reality section. Uh, there was a really fantastic, um, I'm brain farting today. This is great. This feels like Monday. It was a really great article posted online. Uh, I believe it was it on Inman or NAR. It was on Inman, wasn't it? Um, the link was concerned about web presence, uh, about, you know, people aren't going to necessarily just go to your website. So you want to make them go to it yourself. But there was a lot of really great statistics in this that I think are really, really important and people need to realize. One of them was, um, of concern to real estate agents, uh, that a concern of real estate agents is that buyer leads through the internet, uh, in this group nearly equal to the number of buyer leads directly referred to agents of friends and prior clients. So they were talking about 50 years and younger was the actual, uh, study group that they were doing, there was 20, 28% of the leads that these real estate agents are generating are from the internet versus 31% of leads that are uh, generated via ref- the referral process. So you're only talking about a 3 to 4% difference here, which is kind of unprecedented, I think. Um, what, do you, what do you think about that, Tyler? Yeah, that's that's an interesting stat. I didn't realize we were that high already. Uh, I think it's just going to continue to play out that way where the real estate market's probably going to consolidate. The number of agents in each market is going to consolidate. And it's largely going to be because the web has the way of of consolidating into like one major website. So it used to be agents would go out there and they'd set up like 10, 15 different sites for different niche neighborhoods. But um, that sort of has fallen by the wayside. And it's it's you want to build one big site that then captures 
all of the all the leads from Facebook or from SEO if you're targeting neighborhoods specifically. Um, and I think that that's sort of an interesting number where 31% are coming from referrals and 28% are coming from the internet. Uh, I, to me, what I see when I hear that is I think agents should be trying to grow the number of leads they're getting from the internet while using internet systems like what I was talking about earlier, dashboards and tracking and paperless pipelines um, to grow the referrals. So you have the web, which can help you build a better internal system to make clients happier. And it can also get you new fresh clients. So I think you should be using the web in both those ways. You should use it to get more leads from from Facebook that then turn into new clients. And then you should use things like CRMs and um, Zapier or uh, Ifit or Trello to track clients better internally to create better experiences that are less frictionless. Um, And one thing I like to do in in EasyAgent Pro specifically uh, is to find one thing a week that we either automate or bring some type of like full circle to it. So if you're looking to grow your referrals, what I would what I would say you should do is you should get out a pen and paper and write down um, four things, right? There are four weeks and pretty much every month, write down one thing for each week that is a friction point or that generally has made someone unhappy in the last 12 months. And then maybe it's someone was unhappy because they sent you a referral and you didn't follow up fast enough. So what you can do is you can build what I call full circle systems to that. So what you can do is you can set up um, a form that those people contact you from and you can set up through Zapier a text message that texts them back within 30 minutes um, or even instantly. So then you're, you're getting rid of one friction point, which is then going to increase the likelihood of getting more referrals. And if you do one of those things a week or maybe even two or three of them a week, you're going to find that over the you know next three months, you're just getting more referrals. So I, I think it's interesting that the numbers are already that high where you're getting that many internet leads. Um, but I think you got to think about both those elements of your business. Right. Um, and you know what? It's funny that you, you talk about referrals a lot as well. The the article actually does discuss like not taking referrals for granted because that is still going to be – I mean you're talking about a 50-50 shot here, right? Um, you're still – the referrals are still going to be a major part of your business and how you how you – you know, gain a sale off of it. Kelvin, I'm curious what you think about this, this tech broker tilt thing that's going on right now. I was actually going to ask Tyler, I wanted to push this envelope a little further because I've actually come across none of our specific clients, but agents in general who are still almost entirely reliant on referrals for the entirety of their business. And what do you say to someone like that? Are they basically heading for a cliff if they're not pushing more into all the systems that you just talked about developing? I don't think so. I mean, it depends. Like, so to someone like that, I would say, "Good job, <laughs> you did it." Oh, mm-hmm. uh, I think where the where the problem is is when that person makes a podcast saying all my business is referrals, and then Kelvin tries to get into real estate and tries to copy that guy because you can't copy that guy. That guy right. has probably fifteen, twenty years of experience helping like hundreds, maybe even thousands of people in his community, and that's just built up a network that's hard to. Um, you know, match. But if you're not, you know, one thing that could potentially hurt that referral network is if every, if it becomes the norm to do 3D videos or to do drone videos, and then you don't do that, or you don't have a paperless, you know, start eroding some of the paper and using, you know, transactional things like Dropbox and 
um, the various transaction management systems and dot loop and some of those other things that you can use to to facilitate the client experience. That's where you can lose that referral base. But I don't think you have much to worry about from like Facebook ads not doing them if you have enough business. You're not going to grow as fast, but you're not going to like go that's out what, of business. In my yeah, opinion. that's what I'm curious about too. Is like you, you know, that's fine. You do or you strictly focus on referrals. That's perfectly great. But talk about a missed opportunity, right? Talk right. about talk about missed opportunity of just generating more leads, generating even more referrals that way, right? I mean, in, in the end, if you have a, a successful person that you help sell that you've captured online on your website, that individual is going to go. This guy knows exactly, or this this gal or girl knows exactly what they're doing. Their website's on point. And you're going to get a referral anyways, right? So it it seems like it's just a missed opportunity for my from what I'm looking at, and it yeah, that's I mean I would I would say in that in that regard, you're, the thing you're missing um, is there's only so much focus that an individual person can have or a team can have. So what you're focused on in the given moment is probably building out tools to get more referrals. And so if that's what he's doing instead of Facebook ads, that's good. If he if they're sitting there doing nothing and just thinking the referrals will keep coming, then then yeah, you could make that argument. But if they're actually building and continue to build things that keep getting more referrals, then like forget about ads and websites and like just do that. But a lot of people just don't have that luxury. <laughs> right. Um the the next thing speaking of of you know uh building your brand and doing and doing all that type of stuff one of the really great things that it brought up and i really really love i mean this is one time i am going to shamelessly plug the crap out of eap um it even said in this article you need to prove your specific real estate and neighborhood knowledge display your reviews and even present your prior sales before you will have a chance to talk or interview with potential clients even even before you generate a lead the second an individual goes to your site they're judging you and they're judging you hard because those individuals are placing all their trust in you, whether they want help selling their home or whether they, they want help finding the right home for themselves. Um, despite, you know, despite nowadays people are finding houses on their own, uh, what they need help with is actually landing that sale. And that's where you folks come in. So I just think it's really interesting that this is like, you know, when Inman and NAR are saying like the biggest thing that you can do is display your reviews, um, let people know who you are. Uh, stuff like that. And I think that EAP does a really fantastic way of doing that. I'm just curious if you have any ideas on how to do that via the EAP structure um, on your Facebook business page or anything like that. If you want to start off with it, go ahead, uh, Kelvin. Well, it's all about the the ecosystem in general because Tyler and I refer to a lot of other sites out there as online business cards because it's just your contact information and your professional headshot and that's the entirety of it. So if you if you're not displaying the expertise that you have, the knowledge you have on the area, the the reviews that you have, or even if you're even if you're a brand new agent, you've lived probably in the place for a long time. Having having the outlet to actually discuss the area in general, how much you love it, everything you know about it. Um, with all without all those different elements you're it's entirely useless and it frustrates me very very much actually right <laughs> what about you tyler what do you think about it yeah the so i i guess everyone's kind of in agreement that you need some type of funnel and what the question then comes like is it online or is it offline and does it matter in my opinion as of late is that there's the the way you convert cold people is 
you you get them to find out about you once or twice, maybe via an ebook or something on Facebook, and then they bounce around like ten things on your site, um, off your site on Facebook, on YouTube, and then they randomly are ready to buy and are hotter than ever. So I think a lot of the middle of the stuff is is facilitated with content online. Um, but back to the original thing of like referral based businesses, do they need to worry about this? They really don't. Their moat's huge. Like they've built up relationships that no blog is or, or video is going to like replace. Like that's that's the agent that those hundred or so families are going to use, and you know it's it's really hard to to get over that. So I think like they don't have to worry about it as much. But if you're one of the like one of the other like agents who like the thousands and thousands of agents who don't have that huge referral network, that this is stuff you got to take very seriously. Right, absolutely. And the relevancy of this type of stuff too, I'm sure, branches outside of real estate. Alec, your background is in jewelry, correct? Yes. Yeah. And was it the same thing for you guys? Like just advertising or creating a web presence online where you focused in on like referrals or mostly, you know, like, I mean, obviously it's a house and a a piece of jewelry are two totally different things. I'm just curious on if you have any input on this as well. Um, Well, yeah, just one of the things I was going to say was that it's anytime you see stats like this, where it's like these agents who are offline and then these agents who are online, it, it almost seems like there's a a temptation to be like, I'm an offline agent who gets offline clients or something like that. And I think Tyler has said this before where all leads are internet leads at some point. So I don't think you can make the assumption that, um, you can't ever make the assumption that your client is not online. And so even if a, a, an agent is doing most of their business offline, um, they're getting educated by somebody else online before they make contact with that person. So I, I don't know. I think it's a choice you have to make of do you want somebody else? Do you want Zillow or Trulia or another agent site doing all of your client education before they get uh, get to you? Or do you want to get in the game and give them that helpful education and content be, to be the one that's that source for them? Right. So, yeah. Tyler. Tyler, do you want to chime in on that? Or are you <laughs> no, that's that's good. That's, awesome. that's pretty much Perfect. what I'm trying to communicate. Anything else, Kelvin? Are you happy with that? I'm pretty happy with that. Awesome. I'm happy too. That <laughs> was some really relevant, great information for you folks. We will post this on the bottom of the show notes so you can read the article yourself and then chime in and let us know what you think about it. Uh, are you a referral business? Do you strictly get your leads from online? Do you do a 50-50? Is it a 50-50 shot for you? Uh, really curious to know. Um, and that's the thing too, is it varies on geographic location. There's all kinds of different things that can play into this and, and how this information is viewed and how it's gathered. So yeah, definitely read that article. We will post it for you folks and we will now move into the beat Zello questions. My favorite part, because there are some really fantastic ones in here. Um, the first one I want to talk about is Dean DiCarlo. He came out with a really decent one. I thought Kelvin would be perfect for this. He goes, hi, all, a new member of the group and the first time poster. I have an idea, but wondering if any has tried this before. I signed up with a data provider that does geographic searches to give me owner names, addresses, and phone numbers for everyone that lives in a certain area. I uploaded this list to Facebook to create a custom audience, and I'm still left with like 60% of the list uh, after losing some that aren't on Facebook or Facebook cannot match. Do specific ad campaigns that target a certain complex or housing tract like I am describing work well on Facebook? It is a lot of work to find out for myself, and while I'm not opposed to it, I'm just wondering if anybody else has tried it. Kelvin, take it away. So, no, I would I would not target a specific complex or housing tract with ads. I would actually target something like that with SEO. Um, we've talked about creating content centered around upcoming subdivisions, things like that. That's a great way to rank really quick for a 
search volume that's going to start appearing very soon. Um, so target things like that with your content and SEO. But for ads, I think that's going to be too limiting a factor. Um, and I really don't see that panning out in a successful route. I love what you've done in terms of uploading the contact information and creating a custom audience. Tyler and I have really been pushing that lately in the video content. We've been talking a lot about lookalike audiences and uploading those CSV files and just building up different custom audiences. So that's going to pan out really well for you. Um, I'm curious, Tyler, what, are you, what, what, would you, what do you think about this? I really think this is too narrow a strategy. We tend to see Facebook and Google ads that are narrow have poorer results than the ones that are a bit more broad in nature. Yeah. Um, Because there isn't a big enough pool to really... So, for example, we had this campaign that we we were targeting about 2,000 people, really targeted. They're they're attached to our product and somebody we integrate with. And we we get a high ROI converting campaign. And then on Facebook, the frequency just went up to six or seven. And like you can't you get, it's it's done right like it you spent the same amount of time making the landing page the same amount of time setting up the emails the same amount of time testing it the same amount of time increasing the budget the same amount of time trimming the ad finding the images that work and then like it's done in two weeks and then we have another audience that targets like two million people on facebook and that one you can run it for like three to four months right so you're going to spend the same amount of time doing all this stuff and um, it's just so much more long term and so much more beneficial on a time perspective if you focus on a little bit bigger of things and then use S- – so for example, what I would do with that is – it's kind of funny here in Kansas City we when we were building um, – Instafarm, we actually did some tests here and there's still some like communities here in Kansas City that we rank on the first page for uh, with some of our dummy test Instafarm pages. So that's something where you can spend the time um, on Google getting that on the first page, filling out that Instafarm for that community, for that condo, for that complex, and then it lives there for forever, right? So then you've created something that you did once and then has lifetime for forever. So then your time versus reward spectrum is back in balance. Um, But for ads doing that, I I just don't see the value. Awesome. And do you want to chime in on that, Alec, at all? No, I just wanted to. It, so it sounds like he's it's he's targeting a geographic area, but not there's not really any other criteria to it. Is that correct? That's what it looks like to me. I, my Kelvin, are you seeing a difference, or Tyler, are you seeing a difference? No, and he didn't specify that. So he said specific, but even as a geographic area, a specific complex is too narrow a geographic area. If you're right. going to target like a twenty mile radius of the entirety of a of a part of the city. Okay, but a complex specifically, it's just so focused that it's gonna sh- you're going to shoot yourself in the foot I, in terms of with your ROI. Well, even then, you wouldn't want to spend just to reach those people. You'd still want to pair that with some other kind of criteria like likely to move right, or, or some right. other... You're yeah. absolutely right. That's just If that was the only targeting factor you had for your ad, and that's, you're completely right. I'd Wait, be curious to know like the area or city that he's doing this in as well. Um, if you talk about like a major city like San Diego, LA, New York, uh, Chicago, places like that, this may not work because there's tons of complexes everywhere that are trying to compete for the same type of idea, right? You want that high-end luxury lifestyle of living in a, in a loft in Uptown right? Something like that. If you live in a city like New Mexico, it might actually, I I don't know, I I think it might work a tiny bit because there is only one uptown in Albuquerque. There is only one uptown in, you know, these smaller cities. 
Um, so maybe geographic location might play a huge role into it. I do have to agree that it is a very, very narrow advertisement. It's a very, very narrow or narrow. I'm making stuff. It looks like he's in orange County there. Oh yeah. If that's the case, you're right. I agree a hundred thousand percent with you guys. It, It might be too, too narrow of a, of a criteria and content to be advertising. But that stuff that stuff works well with mailers, though I've I've heard I'm not a mailer expert, so I'm not going to pretend to be. But um, a lot of direct mail pieces to specific complexes like that tend to convert well when you, you send it like five to six times. With Facebook ads, um, it you can do similar things with videos where you're paying per view in like uploading a different video every two weeks. And then, you know, it links to a landing page. Um, but I would, I would, I would recommend going after a strategy that's a bit, um, bigger on ads and then taking that niche strategy and applying it to, to Google SEO. Awesome. Fantastic answers, guys. That was really great. I hope, I hope we helped you out. Um, thank you so much, Dean, for the fantastic question. That was really, really great. Um, the next one that I want, I, this was a last minute question I threw in there. I thought it was really, really cool because we can also revert back to a podcast that we had created about niche audiences. Um, Corey asked, uh, she said, happy snow day from New Jersey. They're getting hammered right now with a bunch of snow. Um, I have a very unique property that I'm trying to market. It has five working greenhouses and I just, and it just got a $42,000 price reduction today. Anyone out there have any fabulous ideas on how to market it? I'm not having much luck with this one, especially on social media. Thanks in advance. Five greenhouses? Five greenhouses. I was I was so stoked. And she is in a small area. It's it's Marlboro, New Jersey, I believe. Wow. Um, she is in a small area. But nonetheless, you know, this urban gardening thing, this is what I want to talk about, is finding a niche audience to advertise this to. Once again, very narrow, right? Almost similar to what we just discussed. Very, very narrow thing to advertise on social media. Um I was giving her the idea of maybe talking to a local co-op in the area and seeing if they have Facebook groups that they can advertise on, something like that. Um, a local urban gardeners group, something like that. Uh, just general green thumb. That might be worth putting like a PDF together and, and mailing it to like two or three of those groups. You can find them on what uh, Meetup, M-E-E-T, uh up.com meetup you can find green groups there just email them a mailer saying hey got this really unique just say what you told us five working greenhouses and it just like had a huge price reduction anyone interested um because you might be able to drag something up that way in a non-conventional way same with facebook groups i would just contact the admin of like five or ten facebook groups around green stuff in your area um and mail them that because it's something that no one would expect a house to have it's it's that out there um in terms of ways to use it for future things i would i would really be interested in forming relationships um with all those people and entities and owners of those facebook groups too uh, for future blog post videos to become known as the person who like specializes in finding and selling these homes um and that would be really easy to do since you already have this listing. Uh, you could you could just make the video for this um, and then potentially sell it through those groups, form some relationships with them by mentioning them in blog posts and interviewing them and featuring them on your blog and in your videos. And then all of a sudden, you sort of become the go-to agent for that, that little niche in your area. So um, not sure if that helps. I'd check out Meetup and Facebook groups with like just a simple pdf saying exactly what you told us and i bet you'd get some interest quickly absolutely kelvin or alec also is a marketing guru do you guys have anything to chime in on that 
I just actually, I'm going to throw a question at uh, Kelvin and Tyler um, about using the demographics because I think this might be useful to have answered on on the show. The using the demographic interest selections for like gardening and <laughs> that kind of stuff, and using that versus um, other options. I think that's a great idea, um, and we've had mixed results with, in terms of success with interests. We've had some interests that have panned out really well, and some that haven't panned out at all. So I think it would definitely be worth exploring. Um, It'd be worth like 15, like if you made that PDF in or a video version of of what you just told us, um, I'd probably go with an image in that case and then boost at that for like 15 bucks to gardeners who live in this area who are likely to move. Like, I think you'd get some interesting results. The follow up or the call to action on that. Um, I think would just be anyone who likes or comments on it, you um, hover over the thing and Facebook message them uh, and just keep asking them open-ended questions until, you know, like you can get to some form of deal making. I have two things for this property. So I I would love to see Corey do something because we had a lot of talks actually about video and she's still real hesitant to be in front of the camera. She said she's still trying to build up that confidence, but I think She's doing good. She's posted some stuff on Facebook because she had a raffle lately and stuff like that. So she's getting comfortable. Yeah, I I saw that. She's building it up. She is. You're right. And I I would love to see her maybe do something like a vlog for something like this. Or even she doesn't even have to necessarily be in front of the camera for this. But I think getting video of this actual property would be something great. It totally is a unique property. I I fell in love with it when she said, I was like, this one's going on the podcast. This is that niche audience that you you can, you know totally maximize on and and take advantage of and just be that master of selling those types of homes yeah and i think doing like a video like like i said vlog style and maybe even pairing that with a with an actual facebook ad and using like alex said the specifically the interest for some some of your targeting options i would be really interested to see how uh, how that unique layout would pan out i would be very interested to see how that works right i think the relationships would work the, what, what would you do alec Oh man, I put you guys on the spot. I didn't expect that to come back to me. Well, that, actually, I mean, that was my first was my first go to was to at least experiment with that using targeting those interests combined with some sort of a like the landing page or PDF. Um, yeah, compared with the likely to move, that would have been my go to. Yeah, yeah. I'm just. I I mean, I I see how that could work and potentially would. Uh, I just am not interested. <laughs> like talk to me in a week, but I'm not interested in this week of um any Facebook campaign that has that um okay. short of a lifespan and, and narrow of a life cycle. Right. And I agree wholeheartedly with you on that. This is a very, very difficult listing to advertise online. I, I really would do. I would go face to I would, the the new face to face is messaging people in those groups with like your like exactly what you told us that's what i would do absolutely i would like talk to those five to ten admins of those groups and like look at the meetup stuff it's a and that's a fantastic i mean kelvin can attest to this i mean it, honestly i'm th- that's what got me the job here i started off with my music blog and the only thing i did to get high volume is find people who i thought were really decent at what they did some great musicians and that's exactly what i did exactly what tyler's saying i went face quote unquote face to face with them on SoundCloud and sent them a message. And all I said was, hey, my name's Chris McHale. You know, I have a small music blog located out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. I think this song is great. Can I please get an interview with you? And would you mind doing a small mix for us? That's all it takes. The worst that they can say is no, right? And then they just missed out on these wonderful opportunities to just broaden these people's horizons and and enjoy some new music and vice versa with this listing, right? Maybe there is somebody in that group who is interested in in being able to grow vegetables year round. And those people just lost out on that opportunity because the individual said no. 
You can move on yeah, to the yeah. next person. There's always those other people who will say yes. There's always those people who said, heck yeah, advertise that on our, on our group. We'd love it. You know, that's a really cool listing. If you find any more, let us know. We'll be happy to share it. Stuff like that. Um, I, I, I would just, before we wrap that up, I would just say I'm still a huge fan of the video because video views are really cheap. So I'd create the video ad and then use your personal profile or whatever, however you're in the group and use that to actually share the ad into the groups. Um, right. So that's, that's what I would do. I really, really, really would love to see the video. The other thing that I want to talk about that doesn't, uh, I just, and then I promise we'll move on to the next thing. We've sat on this one for a long time. Um, the cool thing about this type of property, and like I was saying, uh, a co-op, this is a fantastic idea to generate small business opportunity with small businesses in your area. Every single area has a local co-op. Basically what it is, if you're not familiar with it, you spend $200 for a lifetime membership, and now you are part of that quote-unquote company. Um, the co-op is all local produce. Uh, the co-op is individuals in your local area that give you the food. And what's cool about this is you get special types of discounts. And then at the end of the year, if there's at the end of the fiscal year, if your quote unquote company makes some money, you'll receive a check, right? It's a win-win-win across the board. If you go to one of these places and 99.9% .9 of them do have clubs, they do have meetups, they do have stuff like that. Not only are you becoming an active member of your society, of, of your area, um, you know, you're being, you're staying relevant in your area, but you have the opportunity to do a little bit of old school work as well. Post it on a freaking pin board up there, you know, put the listing on there, create that poster and put it on there. People would eat it up. So there's all sorts of different ways for you to get the opportunity and get this, this really obscure random listing out on the market. And, and hopefully you land the sale because of it. That's the, uh, let me throw one more. I know you said we'd get off of this, but I'm going to, I'm going to make you a liar. Um, well, you're booted from the podcast. The other thing I'm interested in, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I just want to throw this out as a comment. If it goes anywhere, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't, that's fine. But the, is the, I would love to see an agent who is like the gardener agent or, you know what I'm saying? Like there's those little niches because you, you would be the only one who's doing something like that, that you're the agent that sells these houses with these awesome gardens and being famous for that. I would, or some version of, of that strategy. It seems more like most agents want to be too many things to too many people. And they end up just sounding like, um, every other agent instead of having that little tiny niche that yeah. really makes them special. I think there's a bigger strategic question, um, underneath that other than how do I sell this one house? You know, I think there's a bigger strategic. I would agree. I mean, Amazon there. started out selling just books. Now look, right. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, it's how it's easier than pro started out like same way too, super, super niche. And then as you get your feet under you, then you start to go. So I think that like, there are two different things. There's the, how do we sell the one house? And then, um, like, like Alex said, like this could become a core strategy that gets you like 10 to 20 deals in the next year because you become the person for you, you know, become the big beard of... in real estate that's yeah. what happens yeah, yeah exactly. and there, there would be no competition for yeah. that how, how would anyone be compete with being the the gardener real estate person right, right? Like, the green thumb yeah. the green thumb the green thumb agent yeah, yeah that's yeah. what i was just thinking yeah exactly yeah, there you go Definitely. There you go, Corey. Uh, you just took up half the podcast with that fantastic question. I love it. It's fantastic. And that was a last minute one that I threw in. I was really glad to bring it up. Uh, thank yeah. you guys for, for uh, giving us some really great insight on that one. We did also get some fantastic emails from a couple people. Um, Tyler was happy to share them with us and let them know that we would be discussing it on the podcast. So the first one's from my buddy, Doug. Uh, Doug came out with this really great question. He says, what are your thoughts on video blogging? Um, how long do the videos have to be? Uh, is it viable in SEO? And I love video just looking for your input. Thank you. With that said, uh, every time I speak with Doug on the support network, I love this guy. He doesn't type out his questions. He literally puts hits play on his, his webcam and asks me the questions 
uh, via video chat, which is a really great way to you know cut on miscommunication and stuff like that. So this dude is ready to start filming, and I want your input. Uh, specific, I, specifically Kelvin, because he's the one who does a lot of video. Tyler just kind of holds his cell phone out like he's taking selfies, and people look at him all weird. While he's hey, man, he's got Thanks, the iPhone. Chris. He shoots it in 4K. He's oh, yeah, it's 4K. in 4K. That's right. He's above the DSLRs now. He shoots 4K. He's left. He's left us behind. No, I'd so be this, bothered with those DSLRs. This Let's start with Kelvin. Yeah, it's super timely because I just did a video with Stephen <laughs> and basically exactly how videos impacted him in terms of commission and specifically one of the other benefits was he's made uh, vlogs for a lot of the individual properties that he's had and he's actually added the address to those properties on the video and immediately those videos show up in search results. So he ranks almost. Almost immediately, I would say within a week of actually posting his video, he's actually showing up on search results for those specific addresses. So the SEO impact is very, um, very immediate when it comes to video. Um, in terms of thoughts on video blogging, again, I'm a huge advocate of it. Uh, Steven himself, if you go watch that video, it's on the YouTube channel. He's had seven, he had one video that actually landed him $7,550 in commission directly from just that one video. So the potential there is pretty crazy. I, ironically uh, enough, too, we were just talking about this right before we started the podcast, right? We were talking about DSLR cameras. We were talking about setting up, getting GoPros going and everything like that. So it's <laughs> yeah, kind of we fun. Were. Yeah. We were, we were. And there's also, in, in the BeatZilla group, there's a couple different posts that are still up towards the top, I think, that have to do with people asking about cameras. So, um, Doug, if you want to check out the BeatZilla group, we've got a lot of people recommending different cameras for different styles. So definitely check that out. So one thing I would say is if you look at HGTV or any of any television, real estate shows are everywhere. Like there are literally shows of like agents selling houses. Like it's crazy. Um, so you're in a very video friendly space. You're not like a restaurant where like it's a struggle every day to come up with video content because you're frying the same hamburgers and grilling the same like, you know things you're you're at a different house every single day or at least three or four days out of the week um you're in the office out of the office in the car talking with clients at the coffee shop um it's it's even probably easier uh you know, grass is always greener, but it's probably easier than it is to make videos for Easy Agent Pro. Um, so I would I would say you have much potential there. Um, it's great for SEO. Uh, just get the purpose right. So don't look at video as a lead gen strategy for today. It's a um, compounding content strategy that will make sure that in three to four months you have leads coming in from those videos that you can't track because they've been watching them randomly like on YouTube and Facebook and then all of a sudden right. they call you. Um, that's the type of stuff that is the devil to try to track because they're watching these videos on Facebook, on their phone, with a different IP address, on their computer, on YouTube and like you can't track that. You just can't. Um, but if you do consistently upload videos two to three times a week, one time a week, uh, you will build up that volume of content um, if you're engaging enough. So I think it's a great strategy. Uh, it's great for SEO if you do that thing Kelvin said. It's good for ads. You don't hear us talk about video ads because they're really easy to to mess up on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot easier to get. Um, the image ads correct than it is to get the video ads. Uh, the video takes a lot of thought and uh, consideration for 
where it will be viewed, uh, with what type of audio, like most of the time on Facebook, they're viewed without audio. And so that's something we don't advocate a lot, the video ads. We advocate video on Facebook a lot, but not video ads specifically. Um, so I, I would, I would, Keep those things in mind, match it to your goals, and then really grind on it for three months, and then look at where you are then, and then at that point, come back and like maybe add another layer to that video. Awesome. I think that's fantastic information. Alec, did you want to chime in at all? I know you're just barely dipping your toe in video. No, I think Tyler Tyler killed it. Um, I, it seems like just with the Ryan Parrish thing um, example, it seems like you could do probably a mix of both if you wanted to get ambitious with video where you do like if you if your goal is three a week, you could do two that are long term content that you know are going to sit there and not going to get you leads right away. But that if you have a, a house that you know is unrepresented by an agent that you would like to get your hands on, that's uh, I believe that's what Ryan Parrish did. Do a short-term, quick thing that can get ranked quickly for that particular house and give it a shot. But don't don't put all your eggs in, in that basket, I don't think. Right. Um, one thing that I do want... My, my input on video content, I mean, obviously I'm not... I, I don't edit it. Uh, I'll, I'm in a lot... Of, not in a lot of videos, but generally when Kelvin does like one of his own personal videos, I'm in them occasionally. Um, I am in one or two videos for EAP stuff like that. Um, out of the gate, don't, don't get ahead of yourself when you start this. It is gonna, it, there is a little bit of a learning curve. Um, from what I can tell, I've seen Kelvin do some editing himself. What, what do you use uh, to edit? I, I use Premiere. Adobe yeah, so, Premiere. So he uses Adobe Premiere. Yeah. So like even, even that, like Adobe Premiere, like it's just gonna, it's gonna force you to focus on quality over quantity, um, yeah. consistency and quantity, like right out of the gate. So I would, I would not do Premiere. I would not do After Effects. I would run away from anyone right. that tells you to do that. And I would just upload. Absolutely. And that's what I was going to, that's exactly what I was going to say was, you know, do not get overwhelmed. If you do have a hiccup, you have a hiccup. Uh, you know, Bob Ross said it. It's a happy little accident. It happens. Um, and that's right. I... Tyler's <laughs> laughing. So happy little accident. The name of this podcast. Real quick, real quick this Doug. podcast is a happy little accident. Real quick, one thing for Doug, if you're listening to this, I just want to say what you, what you could literally do if, you're, if you have a, a listing, a specific property, go out, walk through the house, do a Facebook live video, and then go do a quick walkthrough again with your camera and put a video up on YouTube with the address. So then you've got a video working for the SEO, and then you've got a video on Facebook that's probably going to be generating um, a lot more views than the YouTube video, but it was easy to make. You didn't have to do any editing at all, and you've got the both of them working together in tandem. Right. And let's be honest, bloopers are really fun to edit and, and add in and do some stupid <laughs> stuff with. So, you know, just have fun with it. That's that's basically what we're saying is have fun. Put Just pump it out because you will get better as you progress and as you add more video. Um, right. Definitely. So that was a great question. Thank you so much, Doug. We really appreciate it. Um, we will move on to the next and final question of the podcast. Um, this one comes from Paul. Paul said, um, <laughs> "Paul said, is there a reason why my ads are, are so expensive per click? I'm sure uh, it all relates to demographic and area where uh, uh, my ad is, but I just want to be sure. Because I see people doing advertising videos and paying anywhere between $0.25 cents to $0.75 cents a click, or as me, I'm paying as much as $3. My advertisements aren't anything special. Concentrating wow. on homeowners that are married in two zip codes. I want Alec to take this one because he's been kicking butt. Um, can you repeat the question? <laughs> You're off the podcast, dude. I'm not repeating that. <laughs> oh, no, Alec. <laughs> All right, here we go. Oh. 
I, I was answering a colleague or, or something. I promise it was important. Yeah, sure. Um, go. Sorry, okay. go ahead. No, whatever. Generally, what, what Paul is saying is that he is getting really expensive clicks, right? He's been seeing people get 25 cents to 75 cents a click where he's paying $3. His advertisements aren't anything special. He's concentrating on homeowners that are married in two zip codes. Um, I just wanted to let you know, Alec, it is in front of you in the Google Doc as well, so you could read it yourself. I, I'm looking at it now. Thank <laughs> you very much. So... Yeah, so I mean, it's got to be a competition thing because that's that's how these work. Um, the other thing too is I I believe in fa- I mean Facebook wizards there behind me. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're also paying for reach too with Facebook, and then see so what you end up with clicks is sort of total that you paid divided by how many clicks you got. So that cost per click is is an average. Whereas like with Google AdWords, you're paying by individual click on a bid. With Facebook. It's it's a more of an average. Does that was that somewhere in the neighborhood of correct? Yeah. So yes. what? So let's let's pull up some data here. So we got a bunch of Facebook ad data, and so we have clicks. It looks like ranging anywhere from, um, anywhere from about like five dollars a click, all the way down to it looks like twenty cents a click. Mm-hmm. So that's a big range. Um, for and that's one company targeting pretty much generally, you know, the same type of targeting audience. And so there are a couple things that impact that. Um, and we'll go through them quick. So like, just like, if you're listening to this in the car, just like, you know, maybe pause, but we're going to get into some vocab. So you have your ads quality uh, score, and that's given by Facebook. It's from zero to 10. Uh, they call it the relevancy score. And the higher you are on that relevancy score, it means the cheaper clicks, the cheaper leads, and the cheaper comments and page likes you're going to get. Um, that doesn't, a bad relevancy score doesn't necessarily mean bad ROI. We have some great ROI campaigns with terrible relevancy scores for various reasons. Um, and then we also have great ROI on great uh, relevancy scores. So that's one thing. Um, the second thing that really sort of impacts it is your targeting. So if you think about it, you have to exclude people on Facebook somehow, right? There are just, there are billions of them on there. And at some way you've got to exclude them. You can exclude them from your targeting. You can exclude them with your ad image. You can exclude them with your headline. You can get the click and then exclude them on the landing page, or you can get the conversion and exclude them with the follow-up process. At some point, you have to be selective and you've got to limit uh, where you're letting those people into your ecosystem. And so if you're looking, cost per click is one of those ways to do that, right? You can you can target everyone on Facebook and then just get rid of them by saying Massachusetts doctors only click this, right? And you're going to get like, this huge... Um, this huge frequency in your cost per clicks are going to be high uh, because you didn't limit it at the targeting factor. And so what I would do is if you're looking to lower your cost per click, I would first ask, what is your cost per lead? And is that tolerable or not? And if it isn't, then look to lower your cost per per lead or potentially even cost per buyer slash seller, depending on what this ad is. Um, So if you're looking to get lower, let's say you're not even at that point, you're just at the clicks point then. Um, Maybe you're just getting clicks to a blog. I would say um, the easiest way to get cheap clicks is to upload your CRM 
create a lookalike audience of everyone that's in your CRM and run this um, really enticing, attractive image with a proven headline to those people who are proven to convert and be in your CRM. Uh, and that's going to get the lowest cost per click and probably the lowest lead. Um, and then the, all those other variables. And one of the things we didn't even talk about is um, the frequency. Like the frequency is the number of times that specific ad was shown to people in that audience. So if your ad was shown a thousand times um, in their own, to only 250 people, you have a four frequency. The higher your frequency gets, the more times I see your ad, uh, the higher the cost per click goes and the lower the click-through rate goes. Um, so that's another thing to consider too. So a bunch of moving parts there. Uh, you kind of have to pick your battle, focus on, choose what you want to focus on and then go from there. Absolutely. Uh, I know Kelvin's probably petrified to try and answer anything else. Or... <laughs> no, I, I honestly don't want to say anything. I don't want to be overly redundant with it. I think Tyler covered everything in terms of all the components you need to be looking at. I think, I don't think there's any more that needs to be added really. <laughs> Sorry guys. Got long no, it's good, man. You took, you took all the good parts. I was like, okay, well he didn't say frequency. I'll talk about frequency. No, he just said frequency. I got nothing. <laughs> I expect that there's going to be some cars pulled over on the side of the road with their pendant. <laughs> yeah, don't get an accident. <laughs> um, I thought this this podcast was loaded with some really fantastic information. I just want to personally thank you guys uh, for giving us all these great questions on Beatzillow. Sending Tyler in, you know, sending Tyler some emails. If you folks do have some questions that you think will work out and be really, really good for the uh, the podcast, feel free to shoot us a message at supportedeasyagentpro.com, letting us know you had a question for the podcast. Um, if you have any comments, comment and beat Zillow, uh, ask the questions and beat Zillow and we'll continue to keep doing that. Um, as well as, as, you know, sending us a tweet at easy agent pro. Um, there's all sorts of ways to reach us. There's all sorts of ways to tell us what you think about the podcast, what we could do better, what we could do worse. Um, Tyler talks really fast. We already got that sorted out. I tried to talk slower today. So <laughs> let me know if I did a good job. I thought he did a really good job. I thought you did well too, Tyler. Uh, we'll hopefully get Alec. To, well, gee, guys, we'll get Alec. <laughs> we'll get we'll get Alec to focus and pay attention on reading stuff as we go through the prompts as mm-hmm. well. Scapegoat. So we prefaced it at the beginning of the podcast. No, I think this was a just, swell podcast. Just pour it on at the end, and then yeah, we'll book in this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being with us today. Um, from here on out, we will be posting every Monday, which is great as well. Hopefully, we have some more special guests, and hopefully, Alec can actually sit in with us because it was a very, very fantastically informed. I just made up a word, fantastically well informed, uh, well informed podcast. So, thank you for being here, Alec. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you, you for having. Yeah, me. absolutely. Thank you, Kelvin, and thank you, Tyler, for hanging out with me and dealing with my attitude. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Guys. Have a have a great week. We'll always see you fun next week. Yeah, absolutely. See you guys. See you guys later. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to In The Lead. If you have enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher and leave us an honest review. For more great content, check out our blog at easyagentpro.com. And as always, we'll see you later.